Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Special thanks to Darlene, and with that said, Catch and Shoot 2.0 is back for another week. And before we get too far, I want to go ahead and welcome in my partner in crime. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, it's certainly been an eventful week in basketball, and we're going to talk all about it today. But how are things going for you, my man? Uh, pretty good. Can't complain. Enjoyed uh, watching the, the Celtics Lakers on, on the weekend, and we'll we'll get into that. And uh, um See Luca is back, uh, you know, in action. So that was, you know, good to see for the, you know, for the home fans here in the here in uh, DFW area. And do you know what else happened in the state of Texas earlier this week, or I guess the end of last week, Otto? Do you know what that was? Uh, this this is not professional basketball, but so, it is at the college game. Oh yes, I will give yes, you that yes, that, that, that that yes, yes, okay. All right. Okay. So, uh, uh, Kansas, your your Jayhawks came down. My to Jayhawks Baylor went into and... Waco, Texas, and destroyed the Baylor Bears. Yeah, they destroyed kind of, they kind a little of bit did. hard. It was a three point win. They, but they... on college game day, an eleven a.m. start, they won. Auto, they did it. You, you and and roll roll in all of your glory, man. You're just you, every team you touch is everything you touch turns to gold. <laughs> I'm just Chiefs. saying, my Chiefs won a championship. Maybe my Jayhawks will win their first one since 2008 so exactly but that was certainly um a good game to watch and probably college basketball's finest moment this season we can talk about that at a later date uh but you know we use the word eventful off the top because i think everybody yesterday was still kind of gripping with what has gone on uh with Kobe Bryant and kind of, you know, it still feels like we're living in this alternate universe. It still doesn't feel um, right. And yesterday was his memorial service, you know, 224. Um, not only was it the date of the memorial, but it also represented, you know, Gianna's number two and then Kobe's number 24. Uh, Otto, this was a powerful moment. It was impactful on so many different levels. And let's just start with the moment and then we'll kind of get into the speakers. But, but how did you react to this? Um, I, look, I, I really didn't know what to expect going into it. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be, you know, you felt like it was going to be emotional. It felt like it was going to be a tearjerker, but I was not really prepared for the depth of, of information and stories that I heard. I mean, every person who spoke and they were all outstanding and we'll, we'll kind of break that down in a little bit, but, but at each turn, there was, there was new information that I heard things that I'd never heard before. And I, it was just so revelatory that, that, um, it, it 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 made 
what was an emotional, um, heart-wrenching time. At the same time, you know, you, there were light moments and you can appreciate um, the man um, and, and Gianna as, as well. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, I thought, and you know, we're taping this on a Tuesday, so this is still clear in our minds of what we saw on Monday. The thing I kept going back, back and forth with was, what was so amazing is that we learned so many stories about Kobe, the father, and Gianna, not the athlete or the, the Kobe's daughter part, but more about her as a person. You know, that they played, I think, what was a 15 to 20 minute opening kind of montage. And the clips that we had seen of Gianna were kind of the same clips over and over again that we had seen on social but they had about 20 to 25 different clips of her just playing ball in there that you could see. And you really got to see more about her as a person. And, you know, with some of the, the speakers, the first and most impactful one was obviously Vanessa Bryant, you know, Gianna's mom and then the wife to Kobe, just the way that she stepped to the podium and composed herself I don't know how she was even able to get anything out. I, I mean, that was one of the strongest performances I've seen in a long time. It was, it was as though she, you know, she had, if you watch, she had that kind of took that breath yeah. and then just stepped out there and then just kind of, you know, ascended to another level um, because, you know, that I, I can't even imagine, you know, having to, you know, horrible enough to to have to you know do something like this to to honor your your husband in in this way um but no one ever thinks that you know, you'd also have to 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 talk about your child um it, it just just totally gut-wrenching and watching you know people were hanging on every word you, you notice how how silent the arena was i mean there are twenty thousand people in there if not more and it, it just just you, you could hear a pin drop when she was talking yeah and you know, the, the thing that I kept going back back and forth was she referenced so many personal things that I think that we just think about on a daily basis, you know, uh, when your parents watch you get married. And, you know, she mentioned that she's not going to be able to tell her daughter how beautiful she is on her wedding day. Or, you know, she spoke about her being in student council and just kind of the swag that she had as at a person. I thought those were all just great moments to learn about who Gianna was as a person outside of the pictures that we had seen, you know, of her wearing the Yukon beanie or, you know, just playing ball with her dad and things like that. And then from the other speakers that we got to learn from, you know, about the relationships that Shaq mentioned with Kobe and, you know, kind of that story that he told about Kobe not passing one day, you know, his teammates went to Shaq and he goes, Hey, can you get Kobe to pass the ball? And he, and he went to Kobe that day and Kobe goes, there's no I in team, but there is a me. <laughs> and so, you know, it was moments like that that kind of uplifted you and it shed some light on relationships that I think that we'd always wanted to know about specifically the ones with MJ, the ones with Shaq, and Rob Palenka, who's now the president of the Lakers, too. Right, right. You, 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 you hit, hit the nail on the head. Like we, with respect to MJ, you know, back in the day, I think we all wondered what it would look like behind the curtain if we ever got to got to you know peek and, and, and get a sense of what was actually going on. And I don't think anybody you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago thought that, that this would be the way in which we would learn about these things. But unfortunately, it, it was the vehicle. But um, to hear MJ talk about, you know, getting notes from calls from Kobe at you know, what, two or three in the morning. Yeah. Uh, Asking was, about defense on how to teach Gianna. How great was that? That that was that was amazing. Um, you know, and, and just kind of, you know, MJ putting himself out there. Um, 
I mean, the, the whole the whole crying Jordan. I was, uh, was going to say, what did you think about just seeing emotion from Michael Jordan? You know, we, we talked offline about this, but we don't get to see MJ a lot. You know, uh, even at All-Star Weekend this past weekend in Chicago, he, he was probably in the city, but we never saw him publicly. And then to see him step to the podium and, you know, before he kind of broke down and he had a hard time just getting through that speech, but just seeing the tears stream down from his eyes. You know, we all know MJ the competitor, but nobody had probably ever really seen mj that heartfelt and that open before no de- definitely not i mean I, I i was i was just fixed on the screen i just i you know i, I watched the whole ceremony twice and then you know in you know that, that's the second time around I, I watched with my wife and she went and looked back at her and she was just like kind of mouth agape and just kind of stunned at, at like what she was seeing because she too you know knew him as you know the the goat, uh, the guy who was just you know emotionless from you know from 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 that standpoint uh, throughout his career. At least that's how we that's how we in the in the you know public kind of saw him. Um, but you know saw saw a different side of MJ. Um, I I thought it was really interesting. You know the moment where he mentions that he felt like Kobe was a little brother to him, and kind of the nuisance of one educating a younger brother and kind of then turning it more into heartfelt and being proud of what he became in the league. I never thought of MJ and Kobe in that regard. I always thought of them as competitors and you know, the longer you cover this league and the longer you're around it, you do realize that these guys talk a lot and they are friends. And I'm not talking so much about the relationship of MJ and Kobe, just players in general, you know, they do frequently talk to each other and a lot of them are friends outside of what you believe, but I never thought of that relationship between those two. Well, think about it this way. You have, you know, if, you, if for those of you who have, you know, siblings, uh, you know, older or younger or, or cousins or friends that are so close that they feel like brothers, when you are, I can only imagine, when you are a, a player of that caliber, who better would be able to understand and relate to what you're going through or what you have gone through? And I could, you know, when thinking about it in those contexts, I, I, in that context, I could definitely see how, you know, the, 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 sibling brother little brother little big brother thing would um would would come into effect uh w- with regard to those two with regard to Shaq and and Kobe and and on down the line as it you know as it uh, refers to you know with regard to players you know, today yeah and you know there's a 15 year difference between the two but what did you think about Jordan kind of making light of himself you know he he mentioned the 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 crying meme that that is so popular on twitter and social in general but you know for him in that moment it so eulogies like this are are always supposed to be a celebration of someone's life and you know the thing that they'll teach you whenever you're giving some kind of a public testament in front of someone is that you need to be strong you need to be confident especially in a eulogy because you're uplifting everybody else that's in attendance you know jordan was having trouble just getting through that and you could really feel that he was struggling. And then the moment he made that joke, it was like everybody else in the arena was uplifted yeah. and it was a fantastic moment from him. Yeah. yeah I mean, the, the other thing you always have, always have to be as authentic. And, and um, that's one thing that, that, that MJ has always um, talked about being is, is being your, your, your true self and, and being authentic. And, you know, he, he just went with, you know, the only thing I could say, not having spoken to him or just kind of analyzing what I saw, I mean, you know, he went with, um, you know, what he felt from, from his heart. At least, that, at least that, that's how it seemed to me. And, and um, you know, 
came, gave, gave a, gave a speech that uh, will, will last in people's minds for quite some time, I believe. Did, did anyone else really stick out to you? I, I know um, Gino's was fantastic. Diana Taurasi had a tremendous speech. The one that really stuck out to me for, for whatever reason it was, was, you know, Sabrina Ionescu, you know, she had a game that night. She'd actually flown in the night before and she was going to take a charter plane up to Stanford later in the night. But, you know, you know, she followed what a lot of people would consider the goat of women's basketball and Diana Taurasi and kind of her being there and speaking in that moment, I thought was not only really powerful for someone like Gianna and everyone else that kind of looked up to her, but just for women's basketball in general. Well, it also showed the depth of Kobe's um, uh, reach, and you know, with respect to I mean, that's a good obviously, point. You know, obviously, he's gonna he's gonna you know be there for his daughter, and he's gonna he's gonna take his daughter to to UConn and uh, and and all, and all of that stuff, like any any good or great dad uh, would do. But uh, but it just shows that um, you know, Kobe has you know, like like we've been saying, love of the game, and it doesn't matter, you know who's playing, where the game is. It's just that strict, pure love of the game. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned this offline. I'm going to give you a second to talk about this. But Gino stepping to the podium with basically just one index card. And, you, you know, the power of his words, I thought, was really impressive. So, so you know, so here's the thing. I, my, my son, uh, uh, full disclosure, my son goes to UConn. He's a sophomore uh, there. Uh, and, you know, so I've, I've seen and, I, and I've worked at, at ESPN for, for, for a number of years. So as um, and, and ESPN, for those who don't know, is headquartered in Bristol, Connecticut, not so far away from from stores. And so I've you know, had the opportunity of of, um, uh, you know, seeing it a little closer, the program a little closer than maybe most in, in the country. Uh, and, and Gino was just an, an amazing talent for for so many reasons. But in that moment yesterday to kind of step to the podium, you're speaking. Yes, you're speaking to um, to an arena. You're speaking to you know a widow. You're speaking to the world. You know, really, when you get right down to it. And what looked to me to be nothing more than an index card, uh, you know, and then to to talk about you know fatherhood and, and um, pivot back to you know what um, you know what what Gianna and, and Kobe and and, uh, and their experiences when they made that trip to. To, to the university was just really powerful stuff. Now I, I will, I will say, cause I don't want it to, I don't want people to think that, that I thought that that was the best speech. I mean, Vanessa was on another plane completely just, just, you know, uh, was amazing and, and so composed and, um, but, 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 but Gino's just dry, just kind of stuck out at me for, 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 for that one reason. Yeah. And, you know, we can kind of end it on this. The one that really stuck out to me was Rob Palinka's speech. And, you know, Rob Polinka was was his agent for all those years, and now he kind of runs that Lakers organization, at least from a president standpoint. And you know, he spoke about a text message that he got from Kobe on that morning, kind of just asking if he could help facilitate an internship for um, you know um, one of the kids that that, that passed in, in that helicopter crash. And you know, the thing I kept going back to was one of Kobe's final text messages was trying to help someone else and yep. he was trying to be a champion for someone else. And it just spoke to what Kobe's morals were and what Kobe Bryant was as a person and not so much just a basketball player. And I thought that kind of got buried a little bit, but 
it was just a tremendous 90 minutes and it was gripping TV. And for anybody who hasn't seen it or hasn't watched it, I highly recommend do what Otto did. Watch it once, watch it twice, and then hit that rewind button and, and, and watch it again. And, you know, Otto, sports and the universe in general kind of has an odd way of making everything so symbolic and everything so memorable. And Yesterday, Bradley Beal became the first player since Kobe Bryant to score 50 points on consecutive nights. And it's just funny how that works out, right? Yeah, you, you, you know, you just you just never know how these things, how these things are going to work out. I mean, you know, you know Beal is a solid, solid player. I mean, he's getting obviously putting up a, a ton of points on, a, on an undermanned uh, Washington squad that not that many people are paying that close attention to, but but you know, he can shoot it, and we were reminded of of, of, the, of that the last couple of nights with his you know two you know back to back fifty point performances. Yeah, it was the first time since Kobe did it back in two thousand and seven when he went for sixty and fifty in nights against Memphis and New Orleans on a back to back. And the, the thing I kind of keep thinking about is Bradley Beal is one of those consensus all stars. And he's always on that squad, but you don't think of him in that same vein, a superstardom because of where that Wizards team has been. And, you know, that Wizards team has kind of toiled in mediocrity for so many successive years. And this year playing without John Wall, I'd always kind of questioned that contract that he signed back in 2016. You know, I think it was like 127 million. And then he signed the two year extension heading into this year. And you weren't ever really sure if that money was warranted. I, I do now, you know, the year that he is having for Washington has been so impressive that you almost feel bad for him having to play in the district with that team and that organization. Yeah. 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 Gun, do you, do you, do you wonder if he'll, if he'll you know, wind up somewhere else with a, uh, you know, with a different squad at, at some point while he's still. And and that's, that's the question, right? Is it time for the wizards to take a hard look at their situation? Because I think it is, you know, and they have a real player that they could get something back for yeah. in Bradley Beal. Well, well, well here, so here's the thing. I mean, the, the Wizards are only three games back, I believe, from your Orlando it's, Magic. Well, it's, it's, four, it's four and a half in the loss four and, a half. Okay. Yeah. And, and, you know, here's the, here's the thing. Everybody looks at games back, right? Like you always look at how many wins you need, but nobody ever looks at how many losses you are behind. And the one thing you can't make up, you can make up wins, you can't make up losses. Right. <laughs> if you're four and a half back in the loss column, that gets real hard with what, like 25, 26, 27 games left to go? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, you know, their last uh, both teams, their last stretch. Uh, I think the uh, I think the uh, Wizards have picked up three games on the Magic, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, yeah. but you know, but clearly there's there's a there's a lot of season left, and there's a lot you know a lot on the line for both clubs. So yeah, yeah we'll make a little run. Well, I, I was just gonna say to have back to back games where a guy like Bradley Beal scores 50 and you still lose both those games, you know, and they've lost their last three. And the the thing that I think is probably in the back of every Wizards fan mind is. When those two are healthy and they're playing together, there's, I mean, you can argue that that Dame and McCollum are probably as talented and Steph and Clay, but from a quickness standpoint and a ferocity standpoint, Wall and Beal are about as fun as it gets. Yeah, and and look, and they should be they should be in the playoff conversation. You know, the two of them healthy, doing doing their thing. There's no question, especially in the Eastern Conference. There's no question that they should be, um, you know. Uh, you know, a tandem that that is that is at least rivaling for for uh, for for playoff spot. I'm not going to say home court, but 
Yeah, they could certainly get like a six or a seven seed when those two are healthy. They've just never put the pieces around them. It's time once again for that catch and shoot 2.0 favorite, old school, new school. Okay, it's now time for old school, new school. Steph Curry is slated to return in early March. The Warriors are woeful at 12 and 43. They are currently five games behind the 14th place team in the West. And so the question is, does Steph Curry return or not during this campaign? Aaron, what do you got? No, 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 Otto. They're not going anywhere. You mentioned it. They're they're by far the worst team in the NBA. You look at their ledger, 12 and 45. The closest team, if you were to look at Tankathon, is within five games. There's no reason for him to come back. And and I know the typical thing is if you're healthy, you should play. There's people spending money to go watch you, you know, and especially a star like Steph Curry, he should be playing night in and night out. But at this point, this Warriors season isn't going anywhere. There's nothing to gain from it. And the Warriors have far bigger things at play. This is a team that for the last few years, and really the last five, have made deep runs in the playoffs. And, you know, for them, it's more important for them to angle for the highest lottery odds in hopes that they can obtain the number one pick to help maybe even if you take the number one pick or if you acquire the number one pick and then you trade back for multiple assets to help build a team around Steph Clay. And I guess if they're going to run with Andrew Wiggins is probably their fourth best option outside of Draymond. Then for him to play 15 to 20 meaningless games this year. Aaron, 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 my little brother, I love you. <laughs> you, you, you. If he's healthy, you gotta get him out there. He's gotta, you know, you gotta get some, look, you, you can, you can practice all you want. You can have runs in summer league. You can, you, you know, you can, they could come each over's, you know, you can go over each other's house and bake cookies and all that good stuff. But you gotta have, have actual minutes on, in NBA games. And what better way to do it would be to kind of consider, consider March and early April to be your, your lab, your experiment. You get to try stuff out. You get to see, you know, where where does one, you know, where does where do these guys like getting the ball? And you know, just establishing that that flow, that sense of rhythm and timing and things like that. Things that you really can't replicate in the game. I mean, that's what. Okay, so so here's my thing, not to cut you off, but what if Steph Curry comes back and tears an ACL, and then what happens next year when this team is vying for a championship next year? Okay, and what happens in game two of next season if he tears an ACL? I mean, like some some of this stuff is is unavoidable. Like you 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 don't want to put somebody in a in a situation where they, like I would never advocate for somebody coming back too soon. Yeah, uh, I'm expecting that by virtue of him saying I'm healthy, I can play. It means I'm healthy, I can play, I can go. Not I'm gonna try to make it back because I think I can help my my guys win. You know, injury, injuries are going to happen. That's, as you know, that's that's part of the game, part of sports. Hopefully, you, you know, you're not, he's not taking on too much. And they want to, you know, say, maybe one thought would be to ease him back. Maybe it's, you know, X number of minutes a night. Um, you know, watch the hand, see how the hand is doing, uh, that that sort of thing. But you know, these these types of injuries are going to going to occur. And just hope, hopefully he's not putting himself in a, in a, in a bad situation. Exactly. You you want him to be healthy and you want him to be 100%. But at the same time, he is your franchise cornerstone. He is your star and he has a history of injuries. You know, before he signed that mega deal that he did a few summers ago, before he really started to get paid, he had all those ankle issues. So this is a guy that has already had injury problems. 
And for him to come back at the end of what's already been just a horrible season for the Warriors and something that I don't think they foresaw coming, it doesn't make sense. And I get the argument that you want him to play real minutes with Andrew Wiggins and to kind of figure out how those two mesh so that they can devise a plan heading into a summer that's going to be really important for them. But those two guys can do that in the summer. They can get in the gym together. They can work out together. They can build a chemistry there. It's more about developing the rest of their roster and figuring out which young guys they want to push forward with. Because at the end of the day, Otto, talent always wins out in the NBA. Look at John Morant. Look at Luka Doncic. A high pick in a draft can make all of the difference for your franchise. And if they can acquire someone like a James Wiseman that can have a real significant impact, maybe not next year, but in year number two, then that's going to help sustain that dynasty that they really want. Look, there's no question. All I'm saying is that, you know, there are other guys on the team aside of Andrew Wiggins that, that can get some reps with Steph so they could see, you know, what it's like running, running the floor with Steph. That's, 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 that's all I'm saying. And, you know, I'm right, but that's okay. <laughs> well, you know, and not to kind of make your argument stronger, but during those title runs, he did always have someone that he could really kind of lean on, whether that was a KD and Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, all three of those guys are gone now. And you don't know what clay is going to be like next year. So I can understand wanting to ease him back in for a 15 game slate. And maybe he only plays in seven or eight of them just to get a little bit of a run. It just feels so meaningless and it feels like you can distribute those minutes to other guys and it's a lost season in warrior land anyway. So just let the hype train build towards 20 and 21 and really put a championship squad together next year. That hype train is, is we're rolling on that train. That's going to, that's going to be some season. Bruh. Okay, my bruh this week goes out to all the basketball nerds and analytics guys who have not only ruined the game for the big men, but also just ruined basketball for all of us who appreciate a good mid-range game and, you know, who like the flow of basketball and appreciate the architecture of it. And I'm also giving a big bruh to Ben McElmore, who's in pursuit of the perfect season, Otto. So listen to these numbers. Ben McElmore has taken 446 shots this year. 371 of them have been three-point attempts. The other 75 remaining have been either dunks or layups. He has taken no mid-range jump shots at all this year. And I know he plays on a Houston Rockets team that wants to go small and doesn't like big guys at all and just chucks up a bunch of threes. But come on i miss just kind of the flow of normal basketball i don't like all the threes we're all just chucking it up anyway what happened to good basketball otto well i can't i can't <laughs> what happened to good basketball well i'll tell you about good basketball my bra of the week is more of a like bra and this is about the lakers and the celtics i mean for those of you who saw the sunday game that the lakers pulled out in the end it is on folks this is this is this is playoff basketball in in february we got it we got a treat uh, so about uh what 10 days after um uh, the the lakers uh were destroyed by the celtics in boston uh, celtics coming to coming to la and uh, no kemba walker and uh the the lakers had all that they could handle uh, so i am i'm really looking forward to um 
you know, if this is a if this is an inkling or in a kind of a glimpse of what uh, the rest of the way is going to be like for for the top squads, I'm really looking forward to the rest of March and April, and and then the playoffs to come. But uh, so that does it for uh, for this issue or this edition of Catch and Shoot 2.0. Thank you to everybody out there for listening. Thanks also to our producers, Scott Turkin and Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Ben Wolfen. Just a reminder, the Mike Weiss Show has a new episode each Monday and a new podcast here on Pure Hoops Media called The Four Court Press with Fanthon Adams drops on Tuesday. Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt drops each Thursday. And the Pure Hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman drops every Friday. And as a reminder, Otto and myself are back each Wednesday with Catch and Shoot 2.0. Please check them all out. Rate, subscribe, share them with all your friends. You guys have no idea how far that goes for all of us. And just a reminder, we'll see you guys next week. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.